the GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So a little follow-up on last week's episode. Do you recall we spoke a little bit about U2? Oh, good. You have some more information on U2. That's good. Of course. Yeah, I got to have an update on U2. So I was just, because I was asking about that song, the Boots song. It's called Get On Your Boots. <laughs> okay. It's a terrible song. <laughs> it was off of their 2009 album, No Line on the Horizon. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I know of that album. I've never listened to it, though. No, me neither. Uh, that was definitely the era after I cared about them. So I, I couldn't, I, I had to fall. When I was listening to our last week's episode, I was like, oh man, I didn't, I forgot to fact check myself. So <laughs> I'm correcting myself from last week. And that is the update there. It's always good to get a U2 update. That's the last one you're going to get from me. Well, I thought we we'd probably have an episode talking about the, the one that U2 and Billy Joe Armstrong did together. Oh yeah. Uh, the Saints are coming. Saints are coming. The Saints are coming yeah yeah yeah, yeah for that, that's hurricane a, to katrina i like that song actually yeah i don't, I don't mind it's good it's a good song it's it's that was cool yeah 2005 yeah that sounds about right i remember that out that song came out i think around the summertime that i went to cleveland for the first time and that's when i got my first green day t-shirt from the rock and roll hall of fame there because it oh, had working cool. class it was when they did the cover for working class hero yes yeah yeah. Yeah. So it was just a Green Day working class hero and it was Billy Joe playing guitar in front of a huge crowd. And I, yeah. It was a pretty cool shirt. I yeah. I, I remember that shirt. Yeah. I, it was... I was, <laughs> yeah. It was, that was a good cover. Yeah. So that's the update there. A uh, little fun fact about me today. Just a quick story. Uh, I feel like I have to give you a story. Uh, as I told you a few weeks ago, I'm using dating apps now. Yeah. Yes, of course. So today, this afternoon, about maybe four hours ago now, uh, I had my first offer for a hookup. Ooh. Uh... So yeah, uh, she basically, it was really awkward because I was like, oh man, this is, first of all, that's not my style. <laughs> um, and uh, she, like, she just kept texting. Eventually I blocked her, but um, it was just super awkward because I was, she was like, oh, can you come over now? Like super lonely, blah, blah, blah. Ooh. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm I, like the best I could come up with was like, I got, I've got to record a podcast. <laughs> I mean, it was true. It was true. Yeah. I was like, look, you don't. I hope she's listening for, to this. Forgot to give her the, the, what is it called? The uh, link tree. Yeah, um, dude, you, if you're on, if you're on these dating apps, you need to be messaging every girl the first. Just sending them the link. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the only thing that you message them. That and depressing Smith's lyrics are the two things that you should be sending girls. Okay, sure. I can, I can, I, I could definitely do that. Uh, I don't listen to a ton of the Smiths. They're a little bit too mellow for me, but I can definitely find some, some depressing, some depressing lyrics if I wanted to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, uh, you know, there's, there's so many classics, and I feel like, I feel like some girls will know that, you know, from Five Hundred Days of Summer. You know, that's uh, a lot of Smith songs in there. Classic movie from the two thousand tens. Yeah, I never saw it. Five hundred days of summer. That sounds bad. Is it good? It's I don't know. It's it's of a time as well. It's Zoe De Chanel and uh, Joseph Gordon Lovett. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's very From... indie. It's an indie. It's a you know. It's an indie movie. Okay. Like... I like the sound of that. Yeah. I don't know. It's like an indie romance. Okay, so this would have been before Michael Sarah was getting into the the those like kind of movies, right? Because he did a couple of those types of movies too. Like I remember what was that Nick and Nora's playlist? Infinite movie? playlist. Yeah. Something that, like yeah. that. Yep. That was an awkward movie. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you're thinking of um, Juno as well. Yeah, Juno. Yeah. Ellen Page and whatnot. Yeah, that was that was a good movie. I remember that one. Juno's like a Canadian movie, basically. Eh? It's like 
almost entirely casted Canadian. Is J. Jonah Jameson, is he uh, is he Canadian? No, he is not, but... <laughs> oh. <laughs> you mean uh, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, of course. Imagine having him as a dad. I would love that. I I, oh. I actually, I, I revisited the soundtrack to Juno the other day. It's a good soundtrack. It's very good. Oh, I don't remember the soundtrack at all. It's nice. it's it's um, it's you know kind of it's light it's light indie kind of music. I can it's picture good like to Phoebe Bridgers in. being on that. I could picture Phoebe Bridgers. If Phoebe Bridgers was around in two thousand seven, then yes, she would definitely be on it. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, maybe one other day. Also, that blew my mind seeing Phoebe Bridgers on that Apple, uh, like the iPod uh, commercial. That was crazy. Yeah, and, and that wasn't a new ad, right? That was, you said that twenty fourteen. Yeah, so yeah. way before she did anything. Wow. So yeah, that's that, kind of cool. Weird. Yeah. I wonder what they discovered her based on. I guess just EPs at that point, right? Because... I, I, I guess. Because she was covering Gigantic by the Pixies in that uh, huh. in that ad. And I was like, oh. And I remember that ad because I remember I knew that song. Like when, yeah, because it was, it was when I was in university and I was listening to the Pixies as one does. Yeah, and, and Apple could have afforded the Pixies to be in the to be in that ad. So, <laughs> well, I think well, the point of the ad was that like anyone can you know do this, right? And so it was just like you know, sure, anyone can just record on the fly. Anyone can play with uh, virtual instruments and stuff like that. It's a good ad, and I like I remembered it fondly. And so as soon as I saw that ad again, and I saw her, and I was like, oh my god, what? That's Phoebe? But like, it makes sense, yeah. Y- yeah, I was just more nervous because when I saw that, I thought it was a new ad, and I. Like I'm sure many other people, I'd love to go see her at some point before she becomes completely unaffordable. I'm hoping next time, if we ever get to go to a concert again, maybe when she's in Toronto, I'll get to come. Uh, but we'll, I'll have to see. <laughs> Since you introduced the episode last week, uh, I'll take a stab at introducing this one. Take a stab. So welcome to episode six of The GameCube Was Cool. My name is Michael Lane. With me, my co-host, Neil Gilbert. And Hi. we're going to be talking <laughs> and we're going to be talking about extreme sports 2001 to 2002. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing chocolate stop. Yeah, rolling should be on every single one of these games. It should start all of them, but unfortunately it doesn't. Nope. I mentioned Limp Bizkit in the pre-recorded intro, by the way, so that's okay. <laughs> it's going to be a theme. Yeah, it's... It's going to be, this is going to be a great episode. We're going to have two very special guests on uh, in a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about some of these games. We got BMX games. We got snowboarding games. We got motocross games. We got skateboarding games. We have aggressive inline games. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. I guess. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, for, well. <laughs> rollerblading was cool for a week in the 2000s, Mike. <laughs> so, this this episode really is going to be all about that exact topic, though. Things that were cool for a week in the 2000s, because this is what it is all about. Extreme sports were extremely popular at this time. X Games, obviously, Tony Hawk, Dave Mira, these huge names in just pop culture. And 2001, 2002 really captures that time and the GameCube coming out. They are ready for this. Uh, but it's really funny because right after 2002 hits, we see very few extreme sport games in 2003, 2004 and onwards. And it really is, uh, I mean, you could call it a fad, but obviously it's, uh, you know, it's something that has has a lot of staying power. But the games themselves were definitely a fad. Yeah, in a way, I kind of associate uh, extreme sports games with this era of gaming. I know that, like, for example, the the generation before this with the PlayStation 1 and N64, a lot of people really remember 3D platformers with, you know, you had Banjo-Kazooie, you had Mario, uh, Crash Bandicoot, 
I, I really think mm-hmm. of this generation as the extreme sports games generation. I'm sure that I'm in the minority. I'm, I bet a lot of people remember this generation for other things. But for some reason, I just associate this generation with skateboarding, snowboarding, even like racing games like uh, uh, Need for Speed games. Just those really like outwardly trying to be the hot, cool thing and sort of tied in with whatever movie was in theaters like uh, Fast and Furious was just getting big, too. I also really associate these types of games with a popular show from the time Jackass, (laughs) where there's even some Jackass characters in some of these skateboarding games, especially Tony Hawk. I didn't play any of these games back in the day just because I was a Tony Hawk fan. I played those. I didn't want to play anything that was more like a, a ripoff or anything like that. If it didn't have the Tony Hawk name on it, I probably wasn't playing it. Um, the only exception to that rule would have been something like 1080 Avalanche. I played that game to death. But yeah, anything that had... And I wasn't into BMX or anything like that. I was a skateboarding kid. I played that. Uh, but if it had, yeah, biking on it, I didn't, I didn't want to play that. That just wasn't really anything I wanted to do. But I guess if you were, yeah, yeah. I guess maybe for some, someone slightly older, I remember BMX being huge and it was like a teenager thing to do, but I just had my mountain bike. I couldn't do any of this stuff. <laughs> I was very aware of, mm. of, uh, BMX, like culture, I guess I did a lot of mountain biking sure. uh, and stuff at camp and, and things. And everyone at camp was always like really like really keen on this, and I remember names like Dave Muir and Matt Hoffman, and uh, and watching the X Games with people, but I definitely wasn't part of that full culture, I guess. Which is why we're bringing on two guests today to talk more about that. Yep, Victor or Gavin, uh, who are going to be on today. Neither of them have played a lot of these games, but they know more about this genre of game than we could ever. So. <laughs> That's good. And for anybody that wants to go back and play these games, they're super accessible. I'll, I'm going to go through the eBay prices as I found them. Most of them are very affordable. There's only one that's a bit more expensive, and we're going to get into why. I think you know which one it is, Mike. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a lot of X's in the title. Um, I think that's mainly just because it's a collector's item now. It's not so. The game's not expensive because it's good. It's the roadkill factor. Yeah, definitely. Some of these games are do look actually pretty playable. There's a few on the list here that I might go back and pick up once the stores reopen. I might just pick some of them up on eBay too. But yeah, watching some gameplay, I thought, wow, like this game could easily have been in our clone episode for a Tony Hawk game. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, I, I, yeah. And again, like our clone episode, I'm sure there's lots of controversy around our clone episode. Oh, tons, tons. <laughs> I've had death threats. <laughs> but our clone episode was mainly for just, you know, our subjective opinion on, on games as well. Games that we didn't think could fit in with other stuff very well. Uh, Like for example, Kelly Slater's pro surfer. I really didn't want to put that with these games because I wanted to kind of stick with skateboarding, BMX, that kind of genre. I felt surfing was a little weird to talk about at that time. Uh, And it didn't really fit in with our Tony Hawk episode that we're going to be having soon. It would be a little can't wait. Yeah. Different. Yeah. Separating Tony Hawk from these games, I think makes sense because those were definitely a higher quality of game. They had a lot more notoriety uh, and then, of course, there's the Nintendo published extreme sports games. We already talked about Wave Race in the first episode, and we'll be talking about 1080 snowboarding later on. I don't think Excite Bike, no, Excite Bike never made it onto the GameCube. They, they took a break in this generation, which was a shame. Yeah, yeah, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah, it was an NES game. I don't think it was on SNES. It was on N64, and then it was on Wii, and that was the last game we saw in the Excite Bike franchise. Oh, I see. Is, is this Victor in right now? Can Victor hear us? Hello. Oh, hello. Hi, Victor. How's it going, Neil? Good. How are you? I'm a big fan of your jingle uh, skills. <laughs> you know, it was funny because we were talking about the part where I sort of 
backhand trash the N64 because of one of the first episodes where Mike was talking about it. And then um, it came out later. Mike actually has nothing against the N64. So Yeah, we had to address the fact that I didn't notice because I'm a huge N64 fan. Uh, the biggest one that I know, I, I haven't met you in person. I'm sure that you're a <laughs> lovely guy and that you know a lot about the N64. But uh, I, I've never, Mike has never said anything to me that made me thought that he was an N64 hater. Where's this coming from, Mike? Uh, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know. Maybe I like... You never had one, so... Yeah, I never had one. I was going to say that's probably the main reason why. Well, we were also speculating there could be something about the distribution of these sorts of systems because we all grew up in southwestern Ontario where, like, I thought the N64 was the only video game system. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, I would, it's true because I, would... I was telling Victor and Gavin this the other day that it's very strange that, like, for me and all of us, like, here... N64 was the console, and then you realize that N64 only sold 30 million units, while the PS2, which was out at the same time, sold, uh, how many, Neil? Like 140 million? No, the N64 was was at the same time as the PlayStation. Oh, sorry, sorry, PlayStation, the... yeah. Which which sold, again, yeah. like 80 million, so like triple that. Yeah, it tripled the N64, yeah. I didn't know that the PlayStation was that big when I was a kid. It's it's You live in a bubble. That was the pre-internet era, for us at least. It was early internet days. There was no YouTube or um, there were console wars on the schoolyard. But even <laughs> there, all my friends had N64. I would go over to one family's house that I knew who had a PS1. And I was just upset that they didn't have a um, Mario Kart. <laughs> like they you know, it's crash, funny you, but... you mentioned that because I had a very similar experience when I was a kid and went over to family friend's home. They're like, oh, video games. Let's go to the basement and play. And I'm like, here we go. Time to play some, uh, play a little Mario Kart. <laughs> then we get downstairs and we're playing some snowboarding game on a PlayStation. And <laughs> yeah. like in my head, there was one system and that system had one game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's 100%. I think that's all like kids our age experience for sure. And you also have to get, you like it's really hard to wrap your head around the fact that in the 90s, having a controller with two joysticks on it was not easy to get wrap your head around. No. Totally. Yeah, the N64 had famously one joystick in the middle, and then you play this other one on PlayStation that has two joysticks, and you can't, you're using one hand on both joysticks, basically. <laughs> I yeah. have very, like, lucid memories of how sweaty my hand would get trying to control that one thumbstick, and you'd just be, like, wiping it down between rounds. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. yeah God forbid there was pizza in the room. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hello, hello. Hey man. Oh, who's there? That Gavin? Gavin, you're a little you're a little soft. Could you could you get less soft? I don't know. Could you get harder? Harden up, man. Use harden. Yeah, we need full mast here, Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually gonna start with a uh, a different uh, game. Uh, we're gonna start with Disney Sports Skateboarding. Yeah, oh, that's a good intro. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. So, so we have another special guest on the podcast today. It's Marty Thompson, just oh for this God. one game because he loves it so much. Oh no! Yeah. Hey oh, Marty. No. Hey Neil, how's it going? So good. I got a bone to pick with you. I heard that you had a Canadian trivia music night a few weeks ago, and you didn't have any pew 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 questions. I just listened to the episode this morning, <laughs> and uh, what I will say, I was very upset that nobody knows the Nickelback album. All the right reasons i think it's called yeah is that, nobody knows that one which had on all that? the hits on it it had that, Rockstar, photograph oh, oh, everyone beauty. thinks it's dark horse dark horse for some reason makes me very angry well we'll listen to it for you okay 
Well, that makes <laughs> okay, people that cool. if and your next trivia night, you put a pew 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 question in there. I'll listen to all the right reasons. <laughs> okay, deal. <laughs> Maybe fair trade off. All right. So Disney Sports Skateboarding. It was released November seventeenth, two thousand two. Developed by Konami, the same developers that made that crappy ass soccer game. It was available on GameCube and GBA only. If you wanted to pick it up now, it's probably about thirty bucks on eBay. Go for it. No, oh, this Marty. is is it my turn yeah. now? Okay. Uh, Victor and Gavin there. Hey guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, hey Marty. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I did I did some research. Uh, yeah, obviously I'm only on here because I bashed the Disney Sports Soccer uh, in a few episodes ago. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have seen footage of this, but it's literally just a port of Tony Hawk. Like they sold they sold. I'm not I'm not kidding. They sold the entire engine. Oh really? The, yeah. Wow. Like it was like a Sonic remake. Like it was just cities with random ramps put in the middle of it. <laughs> no, I I watched a bit. I watched a bit and I looked it up. Um, yeah, they 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 took apparently the entire engine, so it looks the exact same because it's made by NeverSoft. Nope, this is Konami. Isn't or sorry, it? no, sorry, no, 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 sorry. The game uses the same engine. Yeah, just reading from my notes. So you know what I did do? I got some trivia. Uh, I have actually this is sort of quiz related so I've got um, we'll do true or false so one of these is true and the rest are false okay okay so uh, the first one Bam Margera was supposed to have naming rights to this okay number two uh, Lilo and Stitch are unlockable characters and they ride a skateboard at the same time Uh, number three Jello Biafra did the soundtrack (laughs) Uh, <laughs> it's not that one. That's false. That okay. False. Uh, number four, uh, they were going to delay the game because they wanted the Incredibles to be in it. And that what? came out because obviously you think about them being all stretchy. Well, one of them is stretchy. Okay. And then uh, the fifth one is uh, Simple Plans Grow Up is on the soundtrack. Which has which has the lyrics uh, MXPX blink rock in my room, GC summon blink and MXPX rock in my room. I would know. I feel like I would know that if that were true. Marty, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if Mike's told you about you this, but I'm like a huge Simple Plan fan. You're just a kid. <laughs> I'm just, I'm Uh-oh. still just a kid, man. I'm guessing Lilo and Stitch riding the skateboard is yeah. true. Is, is only one of them true, or is it... yeah, only one of them is true. Yeah. Wow. It's got to be Lilo and was... Stitch. Okay, Mike or Gavin? Gavin, what are you saying? I'm saying Lilo and Stitch, too. That's what I was voting for. Okay. I'm going to say Bam Majera had the naming rights. <laughs> Screw it. It makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, too, right? Yeah. Uh, Mike? Jello Biafra did not do the soundtrack. I can confirm that. Okay, no, what's what's the true one? One of them's true. Yeah. It's probably the naming rights. Or no, actually, sorry. It's It's The Incredibles. It's definitely The Incredibles one. Well, folks, what I will say is everyone was wrong. Yes, that's right. MXPX Blink, Rock in My Room, no. Simple Plans Grow Up is on the soundtrack. What? Uh, <laughs> also on the soundtrack no. is Real Big Fish's Sell Out. What? Hey. Uh, and then I think those the only, the rest of them are all really bad. This might be so, the greatest soundtrack in any video game of all time. <laughs> so I'm not Scott. sure. I couldn't confirm before I hopped on this that if, if this was on the GameCube version or not, but it was definitely on the PlayStation 2. Like if it had a soundtrack at all. There wasn't a PlayStation 2 version of this game, though. Yeah, it was only for GameCube. Oh, I think I'm looking at the wrong game, then. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just all wrong. Disney Extreme Skate Adventure? No. No, Disney, Disney Sports, Sports Skateboarding. Skateboarding. <laughs>
All right. Well, you want to you want to redo that in again? No. <laughs> Keep this in. The soundtrack in the real one has like the happiest like new metal sounding intro music <laughs> I've ever heard. It's like every every game in this list is just like has so much new metal in it, and Disney couldn't break the trend it was like no we have to but it's like mixed in with this like happy tune that's so and good it's so good yeah marty i'm sorry I'm, I'm looking at this disney extreme skate adventure on wikipedia and yeah it's it's never solved tony hawk pro skater 4 engine i think uh, we can square that away then you guys can just lump that one in because there's no way you guys would actually want to talk about that and how is this how is that not on this list yeah good point how is that not on this list Did it's we not on it? yeah well how do we miss this <laughs> I look. I just looked up Disney skateboarding game GameCube, and this is what showed up. So. I, I like that. I like that Disney sports skateboarding wasn't the first thing. That's how bad that game is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. now I'm looking at it. So yeah, it does have Pete in it, eh? Racist Pete. <laughs> Damn. I wonder what episode this is gonna pop up in. <laughs> so this was three Tony Hawks later. Am I right? Like, had they just realized they choked everything they could out of the Tony Hawk franchise and now they were going to sell it off to other people to develop money makers? <laughs> the way that I saw it, this Disney Extreme Skate Adventure, which is separate from the game that you guys wanted to talk about, <laughs> is that it was a way that they could just use the engine and sell it to parents that were freaked out about how, like, having Jello Biafra on a soundtrack. You know what I mean? Because you look at <laughs> it, it's, su- it's like sense. super like squeaky clean and... They use sounds from the movies. I thought that's how it is a different way to monetize that engine, right? It is interesting to see how it splintered off into the two different directions, one of which being the Disney stream, the other one being BMX XXX, which we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later. <laughs> also so, uses an engine from like four other games. <laughs> so well, it's we, interesting. They all did, eh? Like all the yeah, skateboarding yeah. ones, surfing ones, they were all just built around the exact same engine and you could tell when you played it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like we talked about that a bit in the clone episode with Kelly Slater's uh, Pro Surfer. It's basically a Tony Hawk game uh, for every sense of the word. And Tony Hawk is in the, the game itself. Like, mm. <laughs> I, have, I have a fantastic quote from GameSpot about Disney sports skateboarding, so I'll, I'll start with that too. Okay. But okay, so here we go. Uh, Disney Extreme Skate Adventure. Skate like a pro. Hop on your skateboard and zoom through Pizza Planet as Buzz Lightyear, jam across Pride Rock as Simba, or catch Big Jungle Air as Young Tarzan, TM. Plus, create your own skater. What? And find the magic doorway to grind and shred from the real world into the movie worlds. It even advertises on the back, use the power of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 game engine to pull off trick combos just like the pros. How many kids know what that means? (laughs) In the co- in the cover of this game, you mentioned make your own character. Like it has uh, Tarzan, Buzz Lightyear, uh, and Simba, I think. And then it's just a regular kid on it. Yeah, and the I kid is that. bigger than all the other kids. Like I'm not buying it for this dumb kid. When you said create a person, I was really hoping it would just like take mix match of all the characters. Like you take like Simba's head and uh, Buzz Lightyear's jetpack and just like mash them all together, and that's your character. That'd be terrifying. Yeah, like a, something from The Thing, but it's trying to imitate all the Disney characters at once. <laughs> uh, yeah, so now I'm wondering if this other skateboarding game came out before this one. And It did. Uh, it did. Correct. It did. Yeah. 2002. Yeah, okay. this is 2003. Yeah. And a quote from GameSpot says, Disney sports skateboarding serves no purpose in this world, save to <laughs> exemplify and showcase everything that can feasibly go wrong with a skateboarding game. 
Wow. So that that's not a selling point. Ringing no. endorsement, right? <laughs> Again, yeah. as we as we mentioned in the in the uh, soccer episode about the other Disney game, like why would you buy? this one with mickey in it when you could buy the one that had tarzan and toy story like things that you actually connected with you know yeah like you, people that age buying these games would absolutely not connect with goofy max goof <laughs> and Pete. i think yeah the 2000s was i think the last swing for the classic disney characters uh it was starting to lose out to the the new guys like toy story and tarzan and whatnot like you don't see any ga- many games anymore like they had disney infinity which maybe tried there was epic mickey and crap like that but uh yeah now you got like frozen is way bigger than mickey is oh yeah mm-hmm. no way yeah. way bigger so i don't know maybe ducktales was still on the air at that point that's all i can oh think yes of. yes that's true yeah that's a good show Okay, well, I think that's enough from uh, Disney Sports. Uh, anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna go play. I'm gonna go play some bocce ball in the park. So, bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let's continue uh, the episode and let's talk about Dave Mira Freestyle BMX Two. I have a, I have a lot to say. So, Dave Mira Freestyle BMX Two was released on November 18th, 2001. It's a launch game, actually, also on Game Boy Advance and PS2 and Xbox. This one had a pretty killer soundtrack. That's what I wrote. It had Rage Against the Machine, Black Sabbath, Sublime, Sum 41, Phoenix TX. And these days it only goes for $10 on eBay. Wow. Wow. Um, First off, does so Matt Hoffman versus Dave Mir, like we need to kind of talk about these at the same time. (laughs) Okay. Because Dave Mir, like it seemed like they were trying to beat Matt Hoffman out to production, like because Matt Hoffman was the original like BMX guy forever. Like he was the Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. And then okay. Dave Mira was like the better guy, like getting into the new era. But it's so to me, it seemed like they had, they were trying to beat Matt Hoffman out. Cause it, it only came out a couple months before. I think I was really surprised that it came out first. That's what got me most. of <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things that I found really interesting about the list that you sent over, Mike, which is kind of like all the all the extreme sports games of the GameCube era, was that they had 13 in two years, 2001 and 2002. And they actually had 11 of those 13 in 2002. They were putting out games five weeks apart. Yeah, dude, that was that was the first thing that me and Neil noticed as well, which just the amount of extreme sport games that came out within like six months of the GameCube starting. And then the drop off. The Tony Hawk games were a little bit more spread out. I don't know when Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4 came out. It came out just bef- just after Evolution Skateboarding, which was November 2002. Mm hmm. So, yeah. And then after that, there was the underground games. But in terms of like other uh extreme sports companies making games there were none gavin do you think they were trying to play to the fan base at all of like pitting matt hoffman against dave mira it seems like there's so much overlap there it'd be weird to head them against or pit them against each other yeah no there was actually like no crossover in the characters in each game so it was like all of matt hoffman well matt hoffman's was a bit more inclusive like it had a bunch of different brands riders and things in it but i think matt uh dave miras had all riders just on his team because both of them owned their own bike making companies so there's hoffman bikes and there's miraco and mirror like so on the dave mirror game it was all miraco riders i think and then on matt hoffman there was like free agent and volume and all those things yeah there's a whole bunch of different people in the hoffman game 
yeah, so there's a, a bit better like choices between them on Matt Hoffman's, but on Dave Mears, they had like better stats and things like that. Yeah. Matt Hoffman, I think they all just were the same, just with a different skin on. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. read the names of all the characters on the back of the box too, so you guys can enjoy that later. <laughs> I probably mispronounced everybody's name because I've never heard any of these characters in my life. <laughs> Neil, it kind of reminds me of the conversation you and Mike were having about like the pod racing and surfing and a lot of things that were standalone games at one point in time that then just became a very minor facet of a a more highly developed game. And the same is true, I felt, when looking back at a lot of these BMX games, because every single one of them now is just a model or a module rather on Grand Theft Auto. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah, they took over the. That's the only BMX game out there right now, right? <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> which is the best thing. It's true. It's kind of sad, but it's true. Is BMX still popular? It's gone down quite a bit okay. in the recent years. Scootering just kind of took over. It's really? so weird to think about there being a time where there was so much broad appeal of BMX, of skateboarding, that there were standalone games dedicated to it. Because yep. nowadays, that industry competing has... Games. Yeah, yeah, competing games even. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they're trying to bring it back. You got the, with the, the Tony Hawk games are getting remastered this fall, which is exciting. I, it'll be, I'm interested to see how those do. Yeah. I would genuinely consider picking one up. I'm, I'm going to buy it. I was just hoping they would make a BMX one of like with the skate engine basically and just have it like that. That's all I wanted. The whole time I was playing skate, I'm just like, I wish this was a bike just because I relate (laughs) more to that. But yeah. Yeah. And this was a sequel. So was the first one on PS1 and N64? I don't. Yes. I didn't. Uh, It's on PS1. I don't think it's on N64. Okay. Yeah. I Uh, I didn't play it. I'm assuming this was probably meant to be or was. Uh, for ps1 and they just ported it to the next gen so yeah the the date mirror one actually for gamecube is kind of cool because it uh the gamecube version has two extra levels which is kind of neat exclusive exclusive (laughs) uh also uh i just want to talk about the box art for a second the date mirror box art is really really cool like it's that was the first thing that I saw when I was looking up all these games. And I saw the, it's the red the, one, right? Yeah, the red one. It's yeah. so it's completely different from any of these other games that were coming out at the time. All these games have all this like edgy lettering everywhere and like this like just terrible, like sp- like almost uh, graffiti spray paint kind of style. <laughs> yeah, all oh, the graffiti was so. <laughs> yeah, man. And like, they're all very of a time. Like as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, this was made in 2001. Like no well, Matt time. Hoffman's Matt Hoffman's was like exactly the same as tony hawk's pro skater like it, the same lettering yes. and everything in yes. that circle yeah. and it was just I, I, it's almost like a spin-off yeah that's what it looked like for sure to me but yeah I, that's i was so impressed with the day mirror one i i thought that was like really cool because it, it looks good today like today you can look at it and be like oh that one was that made like that actually looks really nice it does look cool it looks like something insomniac might put out as a test yeah kind of like <laughs> steep and don't forget the best part is that uh, Dave Mears had uh, Slim Jim Guy and Amish Guy. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay, I'm really glad that you brought this up, Gavin, because I found that while I was reading up on this game, and I never actually played it very often, so I didn't know all of the characters. And we'll get into a little bit more in terms of like the woke element or <laughs> lack thereof in some of these games at this period in time. But the fact that they had someone named Amish boy, like just these ridiculous <laughs> sort of caricatures of, of different groups of people. 
I don't think you can do that anymore. He had a corn cob pipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. It was so sick. Well, we were talking about how this was the era of like jackass and stuff like that when things were just funny, nothing was offensive. Was this also the time when like Weird Al was popular too with his like Amish Paradise covers and stuff like that? Are you like suggesting that. that he is not popular now? Because that's a really weird thing to say. Weird Al? I would say that if you ask most kids about Weird Al, they would call the police promptly. Yeah, but, but have you asked your dad? <laughs> Dad knows what's cool. Dad, dad definitely knows what's yeah. weird out. Okay. <laughs> we talked about this last night. People were a lot less easy to be offended back then, for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. No, that's because uh, games didn't matter. Like they were still under the radar enough. Yeah, uh, that's actually something good to talk about for this episode too. Is that all these games were specifically designed for kids and designed to put on YTV commercials? Like that. That that was what all this was about. They weren't meant to have any other objective other than that it's so video games are such a different industry now because people realize that you can make so much money with video games the back then it was really just like a put this out you know but kids like skateboarding cool mm-hmm. let's make a skateboarding game and then next one like that's what that's what it was about yeah, the, yeah this that era kind of games... 90s early 2000s culture with you know the mtv and like you said neil the jackass stuff being really popular it was just it's so bizarre to look back on it now Oh, yeah. Just a lot more like physical pranking kind of is a part of it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd get kids going out on the street and making ramps for their skateboards and bikes out of bricks and and countertops. Yeah. No, it's true. Uh, Just doing stupid crap. And I did it, too. And it was terrible. But I mean, it's what we did. So I think we've we've spent enough time on uh, Damir and Matt Hoffman. Uh, Let's let's move on to the perfect time, the, the perfect game ever. Uh, it is BMX XXX, released November twenty fourth, two thousand two. Yep, it's uh it's developed great. developed by Z Axis, also available on PS two and Xbox. It's rated M because it contained nudity, <laughs> and this is the more expensive game on our list of games today. It'll go between forty and eighty dollars depending on the shape it's in. This game is not good. It's only just because it sold so low, uh, <laughs> due to how egregious it is. And uh, I can't believe this game saw the light of day. Okay, well, also, it was made by Acclaim, too, wasn't it? Because yes. it's, it was published by Acclaim, correct. Yeah, so yeah. I, they have the same engine as Dave Mirror. And also, for a crossover, I know you're all wondering, uh, Amish Boy also makes an appearance. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. What? Yeah, he's there, wow. man. He's that's he, wow. Amish boy. <laughs> What's really yeah. weird about this game is that it's not it's not censored on GameCube, and it is on PlayStation. Yes, I want to bring that up. Yes, that isn't that weird. Why? Like that's such an anti Nintendo move. Like Nintendo would never do that. Yeah, but, I thought in Japan too, it was a lot more censoring going on. Yeah, yeah. Japan has like super strict uh, censoring laws. Oh, th- this game wasn't released in Japan. <laughs> 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 this is U- Europe and uh, North America only. Yeah. I feel like we have to be careful how dig we deep because there is so much to unpack here. But first of all, fun little fact, it was actually designed to be another Dave Mira game. Interesting. Dave Mira did all of the motion capture for it. There was a ton of different people who were signed on. But then during the the design phase, I think that there was so much concern that they were just covering the same territory as all of the games that had come before it, that they said, hey, we (laughs) have to make bank off of this. 
we need it to be edgy because that was right when the whole open world Grand Theft Auto stuff was yeah. you know, just starting to come into kind of the public consciousness. When was the first Grand Theft Auto actually? Well, the first one was for like arcade. Yeah, those were like top down games. They were very different. Are you thinking like the first third person Grand Theft Auto, the way you think of Grand Theft Auto? Yeah. Grand Theft Auto 3 was probably the comparable yeah. game. Yes. Mm-hmm. I actually have a tiny audio clip here that I'm going to play, and this is actually from a reporter from Pseudo Entertainment, which was a publication out of New York City at that time. And he's actually at the strip club, which we will call out by name, Scores. And this strip club had an official partnership with the game developers for all of the scenes with nudity. So this is him going to the release party of the game at Scores. I'm actually here for Acclaim's launch of BMX Triple X, the controversial new game that's out there that's been banned by stores. Parents enraged. Why? Nudity, violence, all the things that make America, America. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it yes. begins yeah. with this, you know, just absolute douchebag. Um, Walking into this strip club and talking about how sex and violence are all of the things that make America great. And it really just feels like a time capsule of 2001. Yes, it does. Okay, the big big question that's on everyone's mind, does he have frost tips? He does not. He has the authentic grease ball look. I believe he has tinted glasses. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, the game, I mean, the game got abysmal reviews. It was trashed everywhere. It got like sixes for the most part. It didn't sell at all. Like even this, like even trying to sell sex in a video game didn't work worldwide. It sold under 16, sorry, 160,000 copies across all three platforms. What's funny is that there was no controversy about it in Europe. They didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. I yeah. suppose it is just topless. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about the car- caricatures of like different uh, races and stuff in there, it was, yeah, it had some pretty interesting names for uh, some denominations out there. Oh. Yeah. If you if you look at those, uh, but it actually it seemed like it had pretty good gameplay. Like I was watching it, and it like the the physics seems smooth and everything on it but Mm -hmm. yeah i actually agree with that i was watching some gameplay in there and the tricks and everything all seem to be pretty good but you know i think it's just one of those examples of them trying to make a video game more than it is when they could have just put out something that was solid that people would enjoy playing but you know shoot for the moon, die in the cold vacuum of space, right? <laughs> it's, it's very weird to me that they even made this, to be honest, like to, that they went this route. But it's, like you said, it's a time capsule. It's 2001. That's well, And that, having, you know, having attached Dave Mira's name to it a bit earlier, I should say that when it was revealed to some of the partners like Dave Mira mm-hmm. what direction they wanted to go in, he immediately cut ties with this. There was <laughs> so much pullback from a lot of the people who were involved. Sure, yeah. I mean, that makes sense sense what yeah that this is the generation when extreme sports could get away with offensive things like this uh this was not long after the unfortunate columbine shooting which put the spotlight on shooters Mm -hmm. like you notice in this generation there were way less gory shooters like doom and quake and stuff like that we had halo and james bond was pretty tame that's a good point actually so bloodless so bloodless bloodless, yeah so people weren't looking at 
skateboarding games for this type of stuff yet once no. once the news outlets found out that you could beat up a hooker in grand theft auto that's when they started to hammer down on this style of game as well yeah yeah no that's well, and it's unfortunate when you think about who they targeted with gaming systems just through kind of a, a gender lens obviously these were always marketed towards boys there's been yeah. a little bit of a resurgence and the gamecube you know of all systems maybe did a better job of trying to have that broad appeal but at the same time if someone is exposed to video games for the first time through an experience like bmx triple x um <laughs> i can see how that would make at least 50 percent of the population and hopefully a lot more very uncomfortable one thing that we did get out of this was that this is the first game I've seen where Playboy gave a review or a score. <laughs> was uh, the score 69 out of 100? No, or... 77. How do, how do they not do 69? I know, right? <laughs> and how is it 77? Like 77 <laughs> yeah, out of what? 100. Like 77,000. <laughs> all three. All, you know that they didn't play it because they gave the GameCube, the PS2, and the Xbox version exactly the same. And PS2's was censored. So they're not the same version no matter what. So, yeah. Did you want me to read the back of the case for this one, guys? Yes. Oh, please do. Yeah, this, this one we need to hear. Okay. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. So BMX triple X. This is BMX? That's a question. <laughs> They're asking. Bust a nut laughing. Create your oh, own. No. <laughs> this is this is hyphenated for some reason. Create your own hard-bodied BMX honey. Dot dot dot. Give no. them all the jiggle you want. A change of drawers definitely required. We'll show you things you ain't never thought possible in a video game. That's all there is. They just read what's on the back of the case. There's words written on the back of the case. They just read them. And that's what's written on the back of the case. Rated M for comic mischief, nudity, strong language, and strong sexual content. It is very interesting to hear the way the people behind this horribly conceived idea <laughs> are kind of trying to represent it. Yeah. Um, just this idea that it's it's this mischievous adventure. I mean, given that they apparently hyphenate with reckless abandon, maybe they meant to say <laughs> it's a misogynist adventure. <laughs> nice, nice. But yeah, I felt like I just needed to beat that drum at least one more time. <laughs> <laughs> So the it's marketed to the younger guys, I'm guessing like 12, 13, because that would have been me at that time. <laughs> yeah. But at, at that time, there wasn't like, uh, like porn wasn't on the internet yet or anything. You couldn't really access any nudity. You had to like sneakily find it around. And I feel like that is a bit of a selling point. You're like, oh, there's boobs in it. Like we can get it. Yeah. It's like pause on the boobs. Oh, for <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, that's that's a huge uh, incentive. Like there's the the guy game. I don't know if you, uh, Victor Gavin, know about it's the a guy, guy game. game. No, I've nope. never heard of it. So uh, it's it's similar to this in the sense of like like you get like you get more points, you get to see nudity basically 
the guy game is like that, but without the extreme sports, I guess I could say. Neil, do you have anything to add to that? Yes. Yeah, that was one of those games where you could, yeah, if you were looking for something before the internet, yeah, that would, I guess, be enough. But yeah, this is probably the second example of that, that this and the guy game are the only two that come to mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like Night Trap was apparently supposed to be like this, but it's just girls in pajamas. So. <laughs> really reinforce yeah. that like girls owe you nudity when you do something right. <laughs> it's, like, it's a good thing to instill. Yeah, it's weird. And the idea that like you should be trying to do things for the end goal of sexual gratification from a woman. It's just, you know, I mean, through the through the BMX triple X lens, conceivably you're accomplishing a goal and i know nothing about the guy game but if you remove the bmx from that scenario i'm not even sure what we're doing here <laughs> yep yep that's the guy game that's like oh, that, that's back the in the box <laughs> <laughs> can we can we name this episode episode six bust a nut laughing <laughs> <laughs> oh no all right uh i think that's all we have for bmx xxx unless uh gavin or victor yep if people are interested, I would I would strongly suggest this deep dive done by Blake Hester okay. for Vice. And it's titled, It Made Absolutely No Sense, quote, The Story of BMX Triple X. And this was published in 2017, like two and a half years ago. Okay. And it is a legitimately deep dive into the making of this game, talking with the people who were involved, kind of the design process. And it really just takes you through sort of how desperate that industry was at the time to find what the next big hit was going to be, because everything at that point was just a spinoff of a spinoff. Yeah, that's very that's, true. That'd be very interesting. Check yeah. it out. Blake Hester on Vice. Yeah, I can't believe Vice did a, a thing on this. I'm 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 excited. This is this is gonna we're gonna bring BMX XXX back into public consciousness with this episode. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> uh, now for 3D. There's gotta be there's there's gotta be fans <laughs> out there of this. Oh, for sure. It's 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 definitely got some kind of following. <laughs> we'll check. We'll, yes, we're gonna look for the email subreddit. Mike. Here is his personal cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> I am pretty sure I rented this game as a kid and played it on my PS. Too. I, after oh going back and God. watching the footage, I was like, I remember this. <laughs> That's something this. fascinating that I doubt we could ever get the stats on, but the rental numbers from these sorts of games, because mm -hmm. maybe your parents aren't just going to buy you whatever, but if you're off in the corner of Blockbuster grabbing a game to rent, maybe they think it's just BMX triple extreme yeah. kind oh, of sure. thing. And I think and when you when you pull it off the shelf, you just get the green case or like the blank case. It doesn't have the cover mm -hmm. on it. That's right. So the parents only True. see the name. <laughs> yeah, True. yeah, good point. They wouldn't pretty be sure able that's to see how I that got away with it. <laughs> they wouldn't have been able to see that Nintendo seal of quality on the back of the box, which <laughs> <laughs> assurance that Nintendo has approved the quality of this product. <laughs> All right, let's move on to snowboarding games. We have SSX Tricky and Dark Summit. Yeah, so SSX Tricky is developed by EA Canada. It's also a PS2, Xbox, and GBA game. This game is fairly well received. Um, I have SSX on tour, which I think we're going to give a little bit more of a spotlight in a later episode. Um, and then Dark Summit was released February 4th, 2002, developed by Radical Entertainment. This is also on PS2 and Xbox. 
even though the Dark Summit has the GameCube exclusive label on it, it still came to other platforms. And this is just an original soundtrack. It's not anything. There's no bands playing. So those are the two. Yeah, Dark Summit is like my favorite game out of all of these that really? we looked at. It is so ridiculous with its like storyline. <laughs> it's it it's foot it's footloose of snowboarding. I, mean, oh. I, 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 cool. I just wish that Kevin Bacon made an appearance in it, but unfortunately he does not. Because they're all like on this mountain, it's only skiing allowed, and so the like snowboarders are like you're having to forge your way to the top, and you're like somebody's giving you. Uh, clues on like oh you have to get this many points to get to the next level and in the corner this is another just amazing bit there's a nokia phone that's coming up when uh <laughs> when he's like giving you instructions like you're on the phone with him Jeez. and it, it's, it's so much nostalgia <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love seeing phones in these old games like they're using flip phones or something i know these snowboarding games were really just like almost more simplistic versions of the same sort of game engines we've been talking about with Tony Hawk, but I always found them incredibly fun to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a ton of fun. Kind of like the way that I wouldn't necessarily play a space shooter game, but I love Star Fox because it keeps you on rails, it keeps you on track. Yeah. This is like that, but for Tony Hawk, if you don't want to play an open world game where you have to look for things, you just have to go down a hill and do as many tricks as you can it'll end regardless if you like it or not so it's more accessible i guess if you're into that this type of game mm-hmm. yeah you you just keep going down and then eventually you're back at the top and you go down again. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's also like if you miss something if you miss something you like are like oh i have to go back up to the top and then like find my way back to there again yeah 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 and you can you can try and retry again and again it'll be the exact same course so it kind of takes the guesswork out of it I didn't know this game existed until a few months ago when Mike and I were poking around at a video game store and I had never seen this before in my life. And seeing it as an exclusive really caught my eye and it's just so cheap, but it, it kind of turned me away. But it's a, I don't know, just really strange. It was like a snow, because up until this point, I thought snowboarding games were just snowboarding games. And like you said, there's like a story in this game. And is it, is it a good story or is it like no. really by the book? Okay. <laughs> it is bad. But it sounded like a Scooby-Doo story when yeah, I read it. It is hilarious. They look like, they look like commies run it. It's hilarious. <laughs> They're like rush. You're like defending against the Russians almost. It's, it's pretty <laughs> cool. ridiculous. It sort of reminds me, and maybe this was intentional, but like of the original inception of snowboarding when they first started trying to become legitimized at ski resorts and stuff like that. And they legitimately would have to, you know, in some cases they faced like a lot of pushback because snowboarding was considered kind of a dirtbag alternative to skiing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the the gameplay, at least in the whatever career mode type thing, they would call it was so similar to the origin story of the sport in general yeah it actually had ties in reality that it was yeah they weren't allowed on the mountain so they had to sneak on and but it's it's hilarious because you just get like explosions everywhere and you're jumping over vats of acid (laughs) and there's like you have to take down the like control towers and things so this is kind of this, this kind of reminds me of the surfing j- genre that Mike and I talked about a few weeks ago. We obviously haven't had that many snowboarding games recently. I mentioned Steep earlier, but do you guys miss snowboarding games? Do you think that this genre of game will come back at all? It's probably in GTA as well. I don't remember the last one that came out. I remember there was like Amped. I used to play Amped a lot. 
That was for Xbox. I played Sean yeah. White, uh, the Sean White snowboarding games. Uh, there's one for Wii that was pretty good. I think it's one of those things where, like we were talking about earlier, it just doesn't really doesn't really carry enough water to be a standalone game anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe throw it like. I haven't played the most recent iterations of Grand Theft Auto, but I would be shocked if there is not snowboarding modules in there somewhere, which would probably outperform virtually every snowboarding game that was ever made (laughs) previously. And again, just a tiny facet of of another game now. Wasn't there one that came out for the PS4 that was called like Snow or something like that? Steep. Steep. Oh, that's what you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I played... We my friend downloaded it like when it came out and he spent like eighty dollars on it and we played it for like an hour and it it was like okay I guess that was all. <laughs> That's the issue, right? Yeah. Is that most of these games, uh, these developers have to sell the games for eighty dollars because you know that's how they can make their money back, uh, and it just it doesn't hold that same value as it used to. Yeah, you can only do so many grabs and spins. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. snowboarding games, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to uh, the motocross games. So we have uh, Jeremy McGrath, uh, Supercross World. We have MX Superfly. We have Freak Style. And we have Big Air Freestyle. Yep. Um, I don't think... I, I won't read the release dates of all these games. That'll probably be too much. And just to They're all in 2002. Them. Yeah, they were all 2002. <laughs> Actually, all summer 2002? No, not quite. So from February 27th to September 13th, 2002, all five of these games came out. Well, um, can we highlight the fact that Freak Style and Big Air Freestyle came out eight days <laughs> apart? Yeah, that's crazy to me. And they're different studios, all, right? Now. All four of them are different uh, studios. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I need to talk about Big Air Freestyle for a minute. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. You have Thank the you. floor. Perfect. So the uh, soundtrack is not bad. It's got Sugar Cult, Good Riddance, 311, and MXPX. So <laughs> not, not bad. It's about 10 bucks on eBay if you wanted it now. Now, I don't give a crap about this game at all. All I want <laughs> is that it comes with a demo for Godzilla Destroys All Monsters. <laughs> oh, <God. Whoa. laughs> yeah, Big Air Freestyle was the most... It was the most plain game out of all of these. Like I watched them. I wouldn't play the game. I would just play the demo. <laughs> <laughs> there was the the one level I saw on the playthrough I was watching was there were literally a shark tank in the in the middle of it, and you were jumping a shark. Cool. So I I, I they're literally jumping the shark. This is a, it was a Jap- <laughs> It was an Asian studio that uh, put this out, I believe, like Paradigm. When I Paradigm looked, Entertainment. That's correct. Yeah. So I don't know if they understood that jumping the shark is a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair i don't know yeah, but... maybe neil and mike my question to you guys in turn is what's going on here in terms of the release dates because obviously this would never happen now like a, mm-hmm. a platform would almost never release four or two games in eight days let alone two games that are basically the same game was there just less control or were they just trying to get as much out as they possibly could it's a bit of both to be honest uh so the one factor is the gamecube had just released 
in November of 2001. And so what often happened at this time was that you would just like throw out all the games that you could, uh, that you had backlogged because the, the issue is, is that most systems, like, especially for Nintendo, they, they make sure that systems die very fast, right? The N64 dies and the GameCube starts. It's like, there's no mm-hmm. buffer really. And so there's a lot of these developers who would be making these games for the N64 or for GameCube that realize, okay, we can't meet Nintendo's deadline to, to put this game out before the N64 is killed or before the GameCube starts. So we just have to wait now and then let's just release it uh, a couple months after. And so this is why you have so many of the same kind of games that are coming out in early 2002 or even later 2002. Uh, and you have this with not just extreme sport games, but you have this with all kinds of different games. We we discussed this a bit with like soccer games. Uh, it's with all the sports games, racing games, any games that there's a lot of, uh, of them in the genre, they would just kind of push out all at once now obviously this is a terrible marketing plan and they have realized this since you're right this does not happen anymore uh also because of just systems uh, lifespans are different uh now but uh yeah it's uh yeah it's a good point to make though uh thank you for uh, bringing that up victor <laughs> and i i uh, okay f- there's way less developers making one type of game anymore just because people don't buy them anymore that too like, yeah th- so for example there was back in 2016 where this exact similar thing happened where within the last half of the year we got call of duty battlefield titanfall doom and i think a halo game all within about five or six months and actually titanfall and battlefield which are both ea games were released in the same two weeks so it does still happen where developers don't i guess one developer doesn't know what the other one is doing but we do still get times where there's just a, a surplus of certain types of games like zombie games and things like that still happens it's also pretty bad in the indie space which i know is not as highlighted as it as it is like when you're looking at big triple a releases but there are some weeks like on the playstation store well you'll you'll just randomly get like three fishing games in the same week (laughs) (laughs) so it's just easier to hide this stuff now but it still happens good point good point yeah Yeah. it just it was just much more prevalent back then oh yeah these games were like there weren't as many games that were coming out as like especially indie games right like these were really the only kinds of games and so yeah it would have been very weird this time going to blockbuster and seeing all four of these games on the shelf <laughs> yeah and we're going to be doing another episode in a few weeks or months i don't know but with movie tie-ins and there were times when you would get multiple movie tie-ins in a single month yeah, yeah. wow so well uh do you guys have anything to talk about uh for some of these specific games yeah okay so freak style I had never heard of, but <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I looked at it. So metal militia and like, uh, crusty demons. So these are, these are oh. motorcycle crews. I, I have a big history here. <laughs> uh, that's Go like ahead. Brian Deegan and Mike Metzger and them. They were like really, they're actually like huge pioneers of the sport. They were ones doing the most like insane tricks at the time and everything. And this was their game, which is really <clears> surprising <throat> that it didn't get as much hype because they were like the main riders at the time. Mm-hmm. And it was basically SX, SSX tricky for dirt bikes. I was watching it and it had like, it had like all boosts and stuff. And it was all these like giant jumps that make no sense. And they're all just doing like super flips and stuff off the bikes. <laughs> and I was like, I can't believe these guys like sold out 
well, I, I, I can believe it. <laughs> probably saw these numbers like I can buy so much cocaine with this. <laughs> but it's like the same thing with SSX Tricky when I was watching it they uh, and remembering it. Every jump you do, they like do this like one, the announcer says the trick you're doing like, oh, that's crazy. And then like the person who's doing the trick's like, watch me slam. <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> whatever words they yell out. And it's so gimmicky and hilarious. Just like catchphrases <laughs> everywhere. Oh, and so so many flames. Just flames everywhere. <laughs> Naturally. Also, this is the only era where like this one or two years where the band Body Jar were everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> they appear in multiple games on the soundtracks, including Tony Hawk. I, I wrote down like the band that stood out to me for every game and body jar shows up about three times <laughs> and it's the same song of course <laughs> yeah there's huge crossover in the uh again it's just all new metal new metal was the genre <laughs> of choice for uh, extreme sports i still can't get over the disney thing that you're talking about how the, <laughs> the disney have the you new have metal to intro. listen to it it is so amazing i want to like just learn how to play it just to, <laughs> just to play the weirdest thing i can think of so MX Superfly, I was I when I saw it, I I guess this is like the unofficial prequel to like MX Unleashed. It's got the same mm. graphics and everything. I've never heard of it again. <laughs> and I was like, what? It's and they don't even say it. Like when you look up MX Unleashed, it's not listed as like the p- sequel to this game, but it's got the same like MX, like you know how it's written on the, all those games, like MX yeah, versus yeah, it's the, the same. Uh, uh, and like it had way better uh, graphics and physics than Jeremy McGrath. Like Jeremy McGrath really? looked so terrible. It looked like Mario Kart. For well, not to say Mario Kart is not bad. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but, Don't like, trash Mario Kart on this podcast. Sir. Yeah, wow. no, I would never say that. But I will cut your microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but like as a dirt bike game, yes, you cannot yes. look like Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, yeah. Especially when uh Jeremy McGrath is giving his name to that too. That's that's actually really surprising to me. Yeah. Because oftentimes it's when you like are giving your name to something, that's you would think, especially as a kid, you would think that would be the game to buy, right? It's like, oh, clearly he thinks this is good. Yeah, and nope. Jeremy Jeremy <laughs> McGrath was like the old guard of the MX scene. Like he was okay. the old guy who had been around for a really long time, just like winning everything, like <laughs> since like the conception of the sport. And so right. you think it would be really good, and then it it looked very bad <laughs> and it was really serious like it, it was the opposite it wasn't trying to be all like extreme sports this and that oh and when mm-hmm. when you turn the bike like the bike leans over but the person like stays straight up and down he doesn't lean at all oh, i love that <laughs> it's, it's awesome it's, it's so good so then so then oh. uh mx superfly their person that was behaving like on the uh on the cover it shows featuring ricky carmichael and so Ricky Carmichael was like the newcomer and who was starting to win everything. And uh, I, interesting. that was interesting to see that he was like the main focus of that one. So it was kind of like Dave Mira and uh, Matt Hoffman competing, Hoffman, yeah. but it was uh, Jeremy McGrath and uh, Ricky Carmichael. And yeah. so that's, that's MX Superfly you're saying? Yeah. MX Superfly. Ricky Carmichael's on? Yeah. But, so that's interesting because that came out just uh less than less than four months later right so that's kind of mm-hmm. uh, yeah that that feels like a definitely like a, almost like a challenge slap in the face almost being like hey look 
Yeah, and the graphics yeah, were I, way better on that, and the engine and everything. It seems strange to me that some of these games were associated with riders, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Because, like you were saying, Mike, if I were looking for one of these games in 2002, and I see Big Air Freestyle, Freak Style, MX Superfly and Jeremy McGrath Supercross World. Yeah, I'd go for the one with the guy's name on it. Of course, yeah. I think think of that with Tony Hawk too, right? Like, what other skateboarding game can you name that's not Tony Hawk? It just seems very strange, and I wonder whether there was a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes that we never learned about, where they got the original game out, something mm-hmm. like Jeremy McGrath, because then they're attached to the athletes and they can get all the motion capture data they know they need to build the graphics engines. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they can make all these games with generic characters in them and they don't have to pay all those licensing fees. Well, to beat a dead horse, uh, BMX XXX <laughs> <laughs> did that like exact same thing where they just, it was a bunch of generic characters just using the, uh, the engine of Dave Mira. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that not having a having a um, an athlete in front of the title of that game, I don't think that's what hurt the sales <laughs> of that game. <laughs> Just a quick closer on it, because yeah. I played yeah. kind of more of them on on PC because, you know, most of my GameCube playing as a kid was at McDonald's when you guys <laughs> brought up the other day on one of the previous episodes that they had those little console things in McDonald's. It just hit me like a lightning bolt, like, oh, holy yeah. shit. I remember going to McDonald's and as soon as I was in the door, it was like, I don't care what you get me. I'll be over there <laughs> playing GameCube. Uh, but it was just something really cool about all of these extreme sports games was that you were seeing them on tv x games was huge Mm -hmm. this was the jackass era and then all of a sudden you could just sit on your couch and you could do a double backflip you could do a 720 you could do some sort of crazy high air that you know you could never even try to do in real life and it just really for me kind of reinforced the appeal of video games where you can do anything just sitting mm-hmm. on the couch. I know that was yeah. my whole motivation be- behind playing these games too. Like I tried to do these things in real life and I was <laughs> failing at it. <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, like I go in this video game. I'm like, damn, I just landed this crazy thing. I I, I would be yeah, the like, like weird guy who was playing the games that I would try and make it look realistic. Like I didn't want to do the super <laughs> crazy flashy tricks because I'm like, I can imagine myself doing that. It's sad. You're the guy in GTA who's who's driving like like with traffic, obeying <laughs> obeying all the lights, stopping at the lights. Yeah, that same thing. You're like, yeah, I can't same, do that trick. No one's landed that in real life yet. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> how, Victor? How did you get on the Game Cubes at McDonald's? There was always such a big lineup. <laughs> I, I never had the patience yes. to wait for it, and I would yeah. always get like everyone would leave. Everyone leave the last one open. It would just be like the worst game there. And you're like, oh, I have to play yeah, like this Bratz one. or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been the Stratford McDonald's when our family was driving home from vacationing in Goderich. So, yeah, Stratford McDonald's, bring it back. Come on. Uh, what was the tagline for the um, uh, for the play place? It was sh- uh, share share be fair. I think it was bust a nut laughing. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we already covered Disney Sports Skateboarding, the epic uh, game that Marty uh, weighed in on. Uh, and we're going to talk about Evolution Skateboarding. Sure. So Evolution Skateboarding was released November 17th, 2002. Sorry, is this correct that Disney Sports Skateboarding and Evolution Skateboarding were released the same day? Oh my god, I just realized that. Yep. <laughs> and they're both Konami games. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness, wow. This is basically another clone of Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I've heard it's like the skateboarding game, but with boss fights. Okay. Uh, okay. I don't know what that means. Uh, it looks like it, this was released just weeks before Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. I saw one level where you were like in a castle situation. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> so it sounds like at this point, the skateboarding was kind of just a vehicle for some sort of like exploration adventure game. Yeah. RPG. Yeah. I was watching gameplay of this before we started recording and it looked very generic. Was anyone yes. attached to this? I can't see there being any, you know, recognizable names as playable characters. Um, I didn't see any. If you know who Alto no. Sorry is, then uh, that's it. <laughs> 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 <Never heard. laughs> okay, here we go. Several popular skateboarders such as Rick McCrank, Ardo Sorry, Carrie Getz, and Danny Way. That's I like that they called them recognizable. They look like someone else. Um, so there are, because it's a Konami game, they put metal remixes of Metal Gear, metal Gear, Gear Solid, Solid theme, theme and, and the Castlevania theme. theme. Oh, that's so interesting. It's kind of ah, cool. Putting, putting little Easter, Easter eggs from, from their, their other games, games in this. Huh. Okay. Is it just like Castlevania, but you're riding a skateboard while doing it? <laughs> <laughs> they, sh they honestly should have just made that. Okay, here's my favorite part of the unlockable skaters. Here we go. You can unlock Gorilla, Raiden. <laughs> I'm just reading them now. One of them is just called Unknown. I'm assuming it's Pokemon. Uh, you can unlock Solid Snake. Frogger, Gerlokovich 1, Vampire Hunter, Gerlokovich 2, mm -hmm. and Gray. It's kind of cool that they have Solid Snake in there. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. From and Frogger. Here. Yeah, okay, so, like, but, like, Frogger in, like, what sense? Like, I've only ever seen Frogger from the top down. I don't know what I was going to say, I really, like. I really hope it's the 8-bit frog on a skateboard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know what it looks like. I feel like, like that just further reinforces how gimmicky this was meant to be. Yes. But and maybe there was the niche for that. I don't know what this game actually moved in terms of sales, but obviously Tony Hawk had the market cornered. And I feel as though, you know, dare I go back to BMX triple X, <laughs> but I feel, I feel as though at this point, companies were kind of trying to deviate from the norm and they were either going into this like, hardcore jackass style or going in the other direction and making it almost overly cutesy mm -hmm. like disney like, <laughs> yeah, like disney yeah and then they release release two of them on the same day and it's uh baffling <laughs> that's yeah, crazy yeah that's i don't know why and it's konami like the, it's the same studio why would you release both they're that you'd be targeting roughly the same audiences i guess i don't know every time you land a trick you can just say whoo <laughs> Great, so grab funny. that. Disney is not going to let us use that. Damn it. <laughs> Gavin, please apologize immediately. We've been shut down. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say about any sort of ripoff sport uh skateboarding game. Yeah, Gavin, Victor, you got anything? Uh, 
<laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Cut his microphone. <laughs> well, let's go to the last two games on this uh, on this system. And one of them is an inline game, Aggressive Inline, released July 31st, 2002. Yeah, so the developer is Z-Axis, which is the same company that does the Dave Mira games. Uh, it was also released on PS2, Xbox, and GBA. Um, I don't know who the publisher was of this one. That's a claim. Yeah. <laughs> it was a claim. Uh, maybe. Was it a claim? Yeah. Okay, there you okay. go. Makes sense. I, Acclaim I, seems to have published like half of these games. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this game was very well received. If you want to pick it up today for whatever reason, it's $10 on eBay. Uh, decent soundtrack. Yeah, it was like inline skating. It's there and who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually read that it like it people were happy about it. Do you do tricks? Do you hit <laughs> jumps what's the move here yeah it's like skateboarding but you're on rollerblades yeah so is this just another ripoff of tony hawk game engine oh, yeah. i assume yeah well it's it's the dave mirror game engine just True. with a new skin on it again <laughs> yeah but they said I, I the one positive i heard about this game was that they it was like the first game that you didn't have time limits within your like free ride session because you used to have to be like, oh, I'll like 10 minute session and then you see how many tricks you get in or how many points you get in that time. Yeah, it, it, it received quite a bit of praise considering what it is. Uh, it looks like it was a fairly decent game. I don't have any reviews or numbers per se. It looks like PlayStation 2, Xbox and GameCube about an 85%. So it's not a bad game. It's just like, who's this for? I didn't know anybody that was that... <laughs> passionate about rollerblading other than playing street hockey or going to school on their rollerblades <laughs> it's so niche my mom it was her favorite thing to watch when x games were on was the inline skating for really? whatever whatever reason what? it was we we're like yeah like because i would okay i would watch it as a kid constantly whenever it was on and it would usually come like inline skating would come on after like the bmx and skateboard vert so they would come on and it would always be like, oh, who's going to do a double backflip? <laughs> you know, for all the smack that is often talked about inline skating and doing it in an extreme sense, there is something maybe extra terrifying about the fact that you're not on anything. You can't bail out of anything. Like, you are just hurtling down a ramp face first. On your shoes. That's yeah. my extremely non-passionate defense of uh, aggressive inline. <laughs> Surprised that we never yeah, got like an extreme Heelys game. <laughs> Bring back the Heelys, man. Like soaps. soaps. Do you know what those are? No. Anybody? Nope. So it's like shoes that have like a grindable surface on them. Like you can slide down rails on oh, them. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That weird. was the thing. <laughs> yeah. So shoes? it's like roller. It's like roller blading without the rolling <laughs> yeah i've i've actually heard of that now that you bring it. i didn't know what they were called though uh shout out to like h3h3 for having the pro soap guy on the show <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go right. on to the final game of the day uh this is monster jam maximum destruction that's right i put monster jam in the extreme sports because i don't know where else to put monster jam games <laughs> yeah we didn't know where to put a monster truck game uh released december 29th 2002 so 
after Christmas, we, we had a game a couple weeks ago. I think what was it FIFA or something? A game? That no, it was it was right? it was uh, it was Fireblade. Fireblade, yes. Okay, it was a clone game. But why would you? This this was that weird era where they were still putting games out after <laughs> Christmas before New Year's. <laughs> I think you guys nailed it though in the other episode when you were talking about how this could be. I think it can be one of two things: either it's the gift card you got for Christmas, or <laughs> it's the game you exchange for. And I wonder whether they were actually trying to keep people in the system, yeah. the GameCube market, by saying, you know, there's this brand new game comes out right after Christmas. You put that in the front display when the kid walks in the door to exchange their gift card uh, or to exchange BMX triple X that their <laughs> uncle bought them. Where's the disc? <laughs> <laughs> we can play it together, Johnny. <laughs> But yeah, that's my guess. Yeah, I guess so. I rented this game as a child. Yes. I had I have firsthand experience with this game after rewatching the videos and going down memory <laughs> memory lane. And there's it's a monster truck game. <laughs> so well said. Yeah. Okay. I actually so I used to watch Monster Jam like a lot as a rural Canadian. <laughs> and uh so when I saw the game was called Maximum Destruction. There is a a monster truck that's out there right now that's called Maximum Destruction, right? So when I heard this, I was surprised that it wasn't a grave digger game because you know how you you want to attach the name to the title like with all the other ones Tony Hawk and Dave Mirror and all that. So I was like maximum destruction was the highlight i didn't think he was popular at that time but so in the game it is still goldberg which is what it used to be called at the time was that and that made me think that they all like did they change the name of the monster truck afterwards because then they could backdate and say they made a video game about it oh my god (laughs) wow i think it's just the name of a game like maximum destruction it's describing what monster trucks do (laughs) (laughs) they maximum distract i don't know whether it was this one specifically but i remember these style games the monster truck ones being very fun yeah and again this is one of those games that is probably better in grand theft auto now than putting out a new monster truck game (laughs) yeah I can see something like Twisted Metal coming back. That That's kind of like this, I suppose. Car destruction game. I don't think anything else really has the firepower that that game has to come back now. Yeah. The gameplay of this game is like almost exactly the same as Twisted Metal. It's just smash up each other, mm-hmm. smash as many things as possible. And like you get guns on top of your truck and stuff like that. Like you go along and pick them up and just there's lots of explosions. <laughs> It's basically just a ripoff of Twisted Metal, but marketed to uh, Monster Jam fans. <laughs> and it was rated teen. And the reason they give it for being rated teen is, in quotations, violence in the game. Gavin, <laughs> do you have any idea what they're talking about? Uh, just that I there was guns in it. <laughs> yeah, uh, <probably laughs> You're shooting at other vehicles. Yeah, like like you would go and you'd get, <laughs> you'd, you'd get like a power up or whatever, and you'd have like a machine gun on top of your truck. Because it's basically like a smash-up derby. There's just like other things and you're trying to smash them. Other people driving around. Wow. Yeah, I mean, most guns that had games were teen. They Like once you had machine guns in the game, anything like that. I don't think any of the James Bond games were rated E. No, they yeah, they all had teen, yeah. Yeah. There's a monster truck just called Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> and Wolverine. 
Was this the first monster truck game? Because it feels like no. it no. would be so simplistic to make. I can't imagine it's the first one. There had to have been monster truck games on PC and and, and N64. Even like NES, there had to have been. What, how new is monster truck, that concept? Oh, it's been... I think it was around since like mid eighties at least. Oh yeah. At least. Oh wow. Yeah. So this wasn't the first, but I mean, this obviously was like the, the, the peak time for anything like any of these games anyways. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I can imagine the, the first monster truck one is almost like an excite bike. I would see it as just like yeah. a 2d go along and drive over cars or something. Yeah. There's, there's Monster Truck Madness on N64, which is more like a racing game than a smash and blow up game with guns. Yeah, so we we were actually saying before you got on, Gavin, about how we were surprised that there are no Excitebike games in this generation. Like they didn't use the title to yeah. remarket it? Yeah, which is kind of a shame because that had a pretty huge following, I would say. Like most people like know of Excitebike or have played at least like an excite bike in in their lives at some point so i i was pretty surprised that there was nothing on the gamecube for it there were plenty of motocross games and stuff like that though clearly so yeah no that's that's what that that's what that's why i'm so uh yeah. like curious of like why because they put one out on wii we were saying so they didn't give up on it yeah i don't know we'll never know we'll never know any th- any last uh, final final thoughts, Victor or Gavin, on uh, monster trucks or just uh, any of these uh, excellent excellent games uh, in general? Maybe one of each of you maybe recommend a game that you would say if you had to pick one. Yes. Desert Island. Which which game would you suggest people the fans out there pick up? I think my Desert Island pick would have to be Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX Two, because from what I recall of BMX games of that era and some of the reviews that I've read, it was actually a game that tried to make you actually land the trick and do tricks that were possible. Because Mm -hmm. like before, when Gavin was saying, he was always trying to do tricks in these games that were realistic and tricks that could conceivably be pulled off in real life. I think Matt Hoffman was more geared towards the people who wanted to, you know, land nose down at the perfect 360 to get the full points and i think the replayability factor would probably be good as a result of that Mm -hmm. it is the game that i've played the most out of all of them i i think it was the one i've owned out of all these games okay that's fair yeah and probably for that reason too it was it actually like took it pretty seriously and was uh well made at least yeah, yeah. From from what I uh, from like the footage that I I saw of it, it does look like a really like clean game and and well put together. Aside from all the new metal and baggy pants. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your desert island pick, then, Gavin? Uh, yeah. For myself, it would be Matt Hoffman as well. Yeah, for for me, ha- having not played any of these games, just from being an outsider looking at the reviews and the and the gameplay. The collector in me wants to say BMX Triple X, <laughs> but in terms of quality, I'd collector. probably go with Matt Hoffman Pro BMX Two, just because it looked like a Tony Hawk game based on the cover. And then when you look at the game graphics and everything, the style, it's it looks the most familiar to me as Tony Hawk gameplay on bikes instead. Uh, I'm gonna have to go completely off the board here, and I'm gonna have to pick Dark Summit as my uh, <laughs> island getaway. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, it's the only one that has a, a terrific plot. 
And, you know, uh, it's so instead of, you know, having like a movie with me on this island, I can also watch this amazing Footloose style plot uh, while I play the game. <laughs> you'll laugh, <Yeah>. you'll cry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can um, also you look you get to see snow if you're on a desert island. Yes. Good point. You're like, it's really hot. <laughs> I want to see snow. <laughs> I need to cool down. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been terrific having both of you, uh, Gavin and Victor. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. We will invite you back for uh, Extreme Sports Edition 2, 2003 to 2005. Sweet. There's uh, about 10 games on that one, and uh, most of them are either sequels or similar games to what we talked about. So I uh, can't wait for for that. Yeah, thanks for having us, and we look, I look forward to it. Cool. Thanks Next a lot, time. guys. Thanks. That was fun. Unfortunately, there's not another BMX XXX. Uh, no, no sequel was made. It, I'm yeah. sure it will come up, though. <laughs> you, can't, <laughs> you can't not bring it up. Yeah, like at dinner tonight, it's 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 going to be a topic of conversation for sure. <laughs> as as <laughs> it should be in every in every household. <laughs> All right, take care, guys. Thanks for coming. See guys. you later. Bye. See bye later. bye. Bye. Well, those are two nice young men to have on the show today. Yes, lovely. It was uh, their insight was, uh, in a word, invaluable. Yeah, uh, two hours of value to be exact. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, yeah. Honestly, I don't think we could have ever done this show uh, or this episode without them. So thank you so much, Gavin Brown and Victor DeYoung, for coming on the the episode and just uh, providing your wealth of knowledge about extreme sports games that uh, Neil and I simply do not have. No, it would have been just about BMX, Triple X, and Disney uh, if it was up to us. Um, did, did you want me to, uh, close out the episode and let, let the guests or let the, uh, listeners know what to expect next week? Yes, that would be lovely. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Neil, what's, uh, what's coming up next week? Sure. Well, next week for episode seven of the GameCube is cool podcast, it's going to be all about super smash brothers melee, 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 the best selling game on the GameCube, the most critically acclaimed, the most commercially successful, the most talked about GameCube game of all time. We're going to have a bunch of guest uh, stars, as you may say, a bunch of our friends who love the game, loved the game back in the day, have tons of memories. We're really looking forward to having a whole bunch of different, uh, perspectives on the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very excited. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to give a shout out to our Instagram page, of course. If uh, if you haven't already, uh, feel free to go over and uh, subscribe to us there. It's called the GameCube Pod. We have, I believe, 21 followers now. So a few more each week, which is good. And uh, to all the listeners out there who are downloading the podcast on a weekly basis, we Mike and I both really appreciate the support. Uh, big shout out to the uh, list, the downloads that aren't even from North America. I saw that there's a few from Australia and Italy, which is really weird and cool. Uh, thank you so much for the support. And if you want to give us a shout out on Instagram, feel free to DM, DM us. We check that page almost every day. And if you have any questions or comments about Melee that maybe you want to have read on the show, we'll be sure to dip in and use those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, and just uh, one final point for the extreme sports games. Uh, this is part one of the extreme sports games, so we covered these thirteen excellent games. <laughs> and uh, next time uh, we will be talking about the final ten games uh, that we have cataloged here, and that takes us from two thousand three to two thousand five. So this week was simply two thousand one to two thousand two. Yeah, and there will also be a separate episode for Tony Hawk games too, which is why they're not here. 
Good point. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes. Uh, I'm yeah. sure that it would be my first uh, thing too, is where's the Tony Hawk games? But yeah, we, there are four separate Tony Hawk games on the GameCube and we are going to be talk in depth about each one of them. So we're very excited for the Tony Hawk episode to come uh, soon, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Cool. Looking forward to it. Very good. Well, uh, everyone have a great day and uh, we'll see you for the next one. Keep on rolling, partner. <laughs> rolling, rolling, rolling. What? Yep. <laughs> yeah. cool. That's probably a good spot to there. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Hey, everybody. It's me, Neil. Thank you so much for listening to episode 6 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. You might have noticed that we didn't read the back of the case for most of the games we talked about. Now that's mostly because we spent way too much time talking about BMX X. But anyway, if you wanted to hang out with me for a few more minutes while I read the back of all the cases, we can do that right now. Let me just light a fire here while I get the back of the cases all set up. Alright, let's get started. In the early 2000s, Limp Bizkit and Jackass were cool, and fitting right into that were extreme sports like inline skating, skateboarding, and BMX. So these games are all about that. First game up on the list, Dave Mira, Freestyle BMX 2. Ten-time world champion Dave Mira is back in this sequel to the original hit game. Bonus Nintendo GameCube features. Two additional levels, Venice and Greenville. Super high-res graphics. Fourteen top pros, John Luke E. Engelbert, Joey Garcia, Kenan Harkin, Mike Laird, Todd Lyons, Troy McCur- McMurray, Colin McKay, Dave Mira, Tim Mira, Rick Mulletin- oh, Leigh Ramsendell, Zach Shaw, and Scott Wirch. Create your own dream BMX park with a state-of-the-art park editor featuring interactive themes, hundreds of pieces, and free-roaming camera. Eight massive, fully interactive levels, including all of the Camp Woodward. I don't know what that means. For the best in vert, dirt, park, and street. Innovative S-I-K trick system. With new grind, stall, manual, and wall ride trick modifiers. For pulling off over 1,500 tricks. Feel the vibe with tracks from Rage Against the Machine, Godsmack, Sum 41, and others to help you flow. Next up is SSX Tricky. Resist gravity. Intense racing rivalries. Massive adrenaline rushes. Insane uber tricks mind-blowing worlds that's it now we have dark summit unlock the mystery the military has mysteriously closed the summit of mount garrick and chief o'leary is trying desperately to drive borders off the mountain do you have what it takes to explore this vast terrain and expose the conspiracy shrouded at the summit jeremy mcgrath supercross world 10-time world supercross champion jeremy mcgrath freestyle mx and supercross champ travis pastrana and other leading pros have returned to give you the best racing experience. Feel the power of your engines as you tackle 25 unique tracks, complete challenges, and master the skills necessary to become the king of Supercross like Jeremy himself. MX Superfly, featuring Ricky Carmichael. Earn cash in the all-new racing and freestyle career modes. Place ramps, buses, and more with the Stunt Track Editor. 22 racetracks, freestyle arenas, and massive environments to explore. 11 minigames, deliver pizza, target jump, and tear up a golf course. Okay, that sounds pretty awesome. Going back to a time when rollerblading was really cool. Aggressive inline, skate the edge of sanity. See? Featuring today's top skaters, skate as Jaron Grob, 
Oh God. Ty Chris, Ido Yakuzo, Yasutoko, Frankie Morales, Matt Lindenmuth, Shane Yost, Sven Bockhorst, Sam Fogarty, Matt Salerno. That's probably easier than I'm making it. Or Chris Edwards. More grinds, manuals, and big air tricks than any other game. Seven huge environments with level-altering cinematics. Punish your friends with split-screen multiplayer and build the ultimate skate park. See, every extreme sports game had a skate park maker. They don't get that anymore. You probably weren't the coolest kid in sixth grade if you didn't have freak style. Be a daredevil. Pyro-filled racing. Hundreds of high-altitude tricks. Sick trick system. Bone-crushing wrecks. Not a lot of words on there because you don't have to be literate to play this game. Big Air Freestyle. Big Air Sick Tricks. Floss and fly your bike through 20 different supercross or motocross tracks. You tell me what the difference is. With 10 riders on the track fighting for first. Big Air means sick tricks in six freestyle arenas. Nine other bikes will catch your vapors as you fly by. Multiplayer mode for head-to-head -head action. Now, most importantly in this game is that there is a two-player demo for Godzilla Destroys All Monsters, one of the best games on the GameCube. So I highly recommend that if you wanted to try that game, you pick up Big Air Freestyle to give it a try first. The sequel no one asked for. Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX 2. Ten World Vert titles. One epic road trip. Road trip across America with ten-time World Vert champion Matt Hoffman and ten other top pro riders. Over 90 minutes of outtakes and live-action video. Eight enormous levels populated with cars, pedestrians, helicopters, and more. Enhance combo linking with the new trick-tweaking system. The sports franchise that no one was asking for sequels for. Disney Sports Skateboarding. Show off your trick style. Mickey, Goofy, Donald, and other Disney favorites. I hope Flick from Bugs Life is in this. Turn up the heat on the world of skateboarding. Get ready for some serious action. Grind and ollie as you take to the streets, performing radical tricks and wild stunts. Eight massive levels from city streets to space satellites. Unlock skateboards that boost performance. Over 40 outrageous tricks. Five game modes, including a multiplayer mode. Evolution Skateboarding. Build a sequence of moves and save them as your personal signature combo. Skate expansive levels that change layout for each playable character. Over 70 different tricks, from Smith Grinds to Front Side 180s. Plus 15 tunes by the hottest bands from, here we go, CKY to Unwritten Law. Featuring pro skaters, Arto Sari, Danny Way, Mark Appleyard, Appleyard, Rick McCank, McCrank, Chris Sen, Stevie Williams, Carrie Getz, and Colin McKay. I don't edit when I say names, just as a heads up. Last and probably least, Monster Jam, Maximum Destruction. Ooh. Sit down, strap in, and step on it. Maximum damage, maximum power, maximum performance, maximum weapons. Pilot 26 licensed crush mobiles, stomping the competition in arenas throughout the world. Unleash the fury of your weapons as you battle the big boys in exhibition and championship modes. You will be king of the monsters. Going back to Godzilla Destroys All Monsters, that's a great game. Go pick it up. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the back of the box segment. Thank you so much for sticking it out and joining me for the last seven or eight minutes while I read the back of the cases. Without further ado, let's get started with episode six, Extreme Sports Games. Mike and Neil, take it away. <laughs> 